All right, welcome back to another episode of the Float Universe podcast. I'm so excited for tonight's guest. I discovered him via the Owen Benjamin live stream and uh, a rare guest and a rare new guest. So it was an awesome stream. I went back, followed his YouTube channel. I'm from Florida, by the way, for people that don't know. Tonight's going to be a lot, almost if entirely about Florida. So I hope you're ready for that because I have a history degree from the University of Central Florida. Go Knights. Nice. But it's a lot of conventional history. And if you know anything about what you've seen over the past three years, you can tell that, you know, they were lying back then, too, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I'm so excited to talk about a lot of the things. There's so much we can talk about tonight, by the way. We've got, you know, potentially on deck. You've got Saxer Stones, Giants, Fountain of Youth, Vikings, uh, Noah's Ark, Massive Trees, Old People. <laughs> the moors in florida just dragons in the everglades all kinds of stuff so casey welcome An casey anthony sex tape you know who knows where <laughs> we're gonna go with you um welcome dr narco longo how you What's doing up, man awesome man glad to be here how glad did you floating oh yeah we're gonna talk about that too how did you get started like becoming this old world florida guy because the, the videos are great by the way everybody check them out on youtube um great long form content about all the stuff we're going to talk about tonight so yeah how did you get started doing this stuff well um i grew up in florida was born here have only lived in florida and i grew up with a rough history conventional history of florida like akin to what you said not a not a college level um education on florida history but my father went to Florida State, so he was a Florida Seminole, so to speak, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of loyalty to teams. He was a Seminole and I grew up with all this Florida Seminole iconography around the house. And that coming into the research would end up playing a very large, very, very large role eventually with what I have looked into with ancient tribes of Florida who's here before Columbus got here, who wasn't supposed to be here before Columbus was here, but blah, blah, blah. Grew up in Florida. Um, I love Florida. I love living here. I had a kind of a renaissance of, you know, an, an epiphany, so to speak, but it, it wasn't a sudden thing. But in the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic and this and that, and seeing how Florida holds true, remains firm, holds to the truth, right? It's a, uh, it was pretty inspiring. And as a Floridian, I felt I owed it to Florida to quell the naysayers who are, you know, the gnats, the, uh, the no gooders who say things like Florida's a swamp. It's just old people. There's no culture. There's no history. I mean, this, these are some of the most ignorant <clears throat> people on the planet, you know, just starting with the fact that America itself, as we know it, starts or sorry the united states as we know them start with florida and that's typically left out of the history books but yeah you got so many interesting points like i said i have a conventional history degree from ucf you know a lot of these things i'm like probably like a lot of people grew up just living here thinking okay i live in a swamp okay so basically what a lot of your stuff is saying in florida is like all the all the pre-flood stuff at least from what i get from some of these other interviews happens in florida like noah's ark and yeah the garden of eden that's the gist of a lot of your stuff, which is super fascinating because you just, like I said, I, I grew up thinking like, you know, okay, it's just a swamp land and it's newly found like five, 600 years ago. And 
there's nothing to it, you know, but I did have a lot of mystical experiences growing up. I saw pyramids out in the Atlantic ocean just mm. off, you know, I, I grew up uh, near NASA uh, pretty much my whole life. So I've been, nice. w- wasn't born here, but lived like 90% of my life here in, in central Florida. So I've seen a lot of stuff go down. I've seen Elon's rockets come back. You know, I know they're not hologram. I mean, I know they're real. I mean, I saw them, but anyway, back to you. Um, it's just so fascinating. And I guess the best place to start is what you're saying. Like a lot of these history books, don't give Florida its due in terms of like, this is where really the nation starts with Ponce de, de Leon and uh, Columbus. So why don't you uh, bring us into the beginning? Sure. Well, you know, for those who might not know or might need to be reminded, officially, the United States, America, North America, the Americas were discovered 1492, right? Columbus, <laughs> my assistant is laughing over here, just, just at that statement alone. But, um, you know, about 20 years later, Juan Ponce de Leon, that's when the Americas were discovered. The United States, as we know them, were not discovered until, quote unquote, discovered. You know, I'm going with the mainstream here, so cut me some slack. It wasn't until 1512, 1513, you had Ponce de Leon set foot on Florida, an official colonization attempt, or at least an exploration with the intent of colonizing was undertaken. Now that is the genesis of America, of the United States as we know it. And however, in Hollywood movies, you will almost always see the United States starting off with English settlers in Virginia, you know, South Carolina, New England, places like that. So, by the way, many of those never lasted. St. Augustine, Florida, which is nicknamed Ancient City. No joke, Ancient City. And you go there, it looks ancient. It looks like Israel. It looks like Palestine. It looks like, you know, a old, old world is what St. Augustine looks like. Mm -hmm. And that being Ancient City, well, that is where... The United States had its genesis because 1565 is officially when that colony was undertaken and it never ceased. It never stopped. They never, you know, had to leave and come back. They were there since then. So America has been firm footed in St. Augustine for almost 500 years. Now, that is not depicted in many of the Hollywood movies we've seen, you always see, like I said, the English explorers. Well, these are Spaniards. I'm speaking of Spaniards. Now, where do we get this whole, you know, if we paint, if we paint the motives into these stories, I think it helps people piece it together. What exactly were the Spaniards doing around the 1490s? Well, they had actually just expelled the Moors, a Moorish empire out of Spain out of the Iberian Peninsula, almost exactly coinciding with the departure of Columbus. He he left a couple of weeks or a couple of months later. So uh, King Ferdinand, they had expelled the Moors. And then immediately Columbus hops in his boats, suited for a war party, not for trade or exploration. Okay, they were going, you know, they had dogs of war 
they had they had instruments that were telling of their of their intent it wasn't like they were oh you know where's let's go find a nice you know route for the pepper and and stuff like that it was insidious from the get-go and what you have is florida pretty much being the point of contention for all of the united states for the next couple decades with the spaniards the french and what we're going to see here if you pay attention to the architecture in florida there is a moorish influence all across the southeast united states with its highest frequency with its highest uh, you know um expression in the florida peninsula saint augustine pretty much being the mecca of this moorish pre-columbian moorish influence that we're not told anything about in the history books why because spain was the victors spain kicked the moors out of uh the iberian peninsula in 1491 well immediately like i said they go to the americas why 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 did they know they knew exactly where they were going they landed in what for now you could you can buy into the whole exploration thing and oh testing the shape of the planet and we all know that's a bunch a bunch of bs i am i put forth in many of my videos the theory that the moors either retreated to the americas and remember this is an empire that rivals the roman catholic empire uh, philosophically militaristically in every in every way so these people left in my opinion the iberian iberian peninsula well we know they did the mainstream just tells us they went to north africa where the spaniards might have pursued them a little bit i am putting forth the theory that and others have as well, many, you know, many others before me, there's whole communities of, of Moorish, uh, Moorish Americans trying to tell this history. But basically, where I come in is that, you know, much of it focuses on Florida. So that's how I came into it. It wasn't the focus of my research from the beginning, but you can't tell the history of Florida without, without um, mentioning this obvious Moorish influence that is present in the architecture present in the native peoples who were told are the natives strangely dress north african strangely dress in moroccan style with fezes <clears throat> turbans vests you name it and i can show you all this you know i've got tons of visuals but um i think that's a good overview of kind of how florida plays into the the on start of america yeah Dude, so many fascinating things. Another thing I was just thinking of, because I listened to so many podcasts, but the one with the Greek, or the Greek, and then it was the Greek words, and then it was the what was the, the Creek, Creek, like the the, yeah. the Indian, the Native Americans, right? The, yeah. That was sure. a fascinating. I guess you, what you're implying is the the Greeks came over at some point and settled across. I don't know. Tell tell the story if you. If of you course. Go ahead yeah. and do that. Yeah, it's a good one. So people, people have been, people have been coming to the Americas for thousands of years. Okay. Hundreds of thousands of years, perhaps if, a, if humanity could only have started in one hemisphere, I'm putting all my money on the Western hemisphere, the Americas. And there's a lot to back that up that we, can well, yeah, get. I think that's where actually we should actually go because 
the whole thing really is the understanding, at least my understanding was Noah's Ark was built basically in the armpit of Florida, because that's where yep. you find, according to you, the gopher, the gopher wood, yes, which sir. is what it was made out of. And my thought is, okay, so everything at least pre-Noah is happening on the North American continent somewhere. And then after the flood, they end up over in, you know, Middle East, right? That's, is that what you think happens ultimately? Or is that your timeline yeah. of like <clears throat> biblical history? So the stories of Atlantis and a greater empire, greater than that of Eurasia, than, than those of Eurasia, this Atlantean landmass, island, continent, you know, different, different versions of the same concept is undeniably marking the Americas. Now, I've heard it said, and I agree, that the Atlantis continent implies both North and South America. The country of Atlantis, in my opinion, and the islands are comprised of something in the Caribbean or the Gulf of Mexico, be that sunken or be that present today above, above the current sea level, regardless, I think it's, I can prove this to you a million ways, but we can hone it in, hone it in even further. The capital city of ancient Atlantis, capital seaport, would have been Tampa Bay, Florida, or at least the equivalent, the sea level change equivalent of Tampa Bay, Florida. And this, because the Gulf of Mexico, which by the way, the Gulf of Mexico, if there's any body of water on the planet that is itself a sort of float tank it is the gulf of mexico this is the the tranquil pool which which bestows humanity something that it can't find in any others in any other sea because most seas are too tumultuous they're too <clears throat> they're too unpredictable they're dangerous they're violent okay well the gulf of mexico is a perfectly encircled bay with two breakwaters. Anyone who knows anything about marinas knows what a breakwater is. Well, Florida is the greatest natural breakwater in the world. The Yucatan Peninsula is the second breakwater in this, in this um, arrangement. And what you have is why I was mentioning the Moorish Empire before, which is their insignia, is the star and crescent, the crescent moon of Islam. Well, the crescent moon of Islam, obviously, you know, comes from the moon, right? Well, let's take it a step further than that, because many cultures see the crescent moon, but not all of them adopt it as their primary symbol. I am putting it forth that the Gulf of Mexico is the true fertile crescent, and that this crescent-shaped landmass, which is the only distinguishable crescent-shaped landmass on, on the planet, is from the tip of the Yucatan Peninsula to the tip of Florida. And this at one time, man has taken many forms and many ages on this planet, okay? You know, Lord of the Rings style, there's been tall, skinny, dark, you know, light, orange, green, many things. Mankind has taken many forms, but in our, in our not so um, distant recollection of our previous generations, within that window of what we can remember generationally at one time, the Genesis of mankind, humanity in the form that we know it occurred in the Gulf of Mexico. 
Now, there are hundreds, thousands, maybe even more articles in newspapers of the Southeast United States between 1850 and 1950 that all are in agreement of this fact. The megaliths, the skeletons, the boats, right? Some, some of the ruins that they're finding, the wrecks, the treasures, the cave systems that they find in the Gulf of Mexico area between the Yucatan Peninsula and the Florida Peninsula, which are, by the way, comprised entirely, almost entirely of limestone, which is what the Giza Plateau is comprised of and the pyramids. Well, limestone is a favor, is a favored material of uh, what, what would the word be? People like Ed Leedskalnin, the guy who crafted the Coral Castle in South Florida. He could have, he could have traveled to anywhere on the planet to get started and to, to do his strange, his strange undertaking to build this castle. Where did he decide to go? Florida, South Florida, at what is generally believed to be the tip of the Bermuda Triangle. So everything plays into this, the Bermuda Triangle, Atlantis, um, it all gets pieced together. And I think where a lot of people go wrong, getting confused with Eurasian origins for mankind is you have people who believe in mythology and then you have Christians, right? Christianity is kind of the dominant religion on the planet. They denounce mythology, right? Ancient mythology. Mm -hmm. Now, if they could only see the commonalities between mythology and oh, yeah. their, the overlay. their yeah. Christian history, they would see that what we know as the genesis of mankind probably did not occur in that dry, scabby, you know, disgusting place in the Middle East. And, you know, I have much love for people in the Middle East, but much of what I said right there is true. It's dry, it's arid, it's not that hospitable to humans. People that do thrive there are in, inadvertently, uh, you know, doomed to war with the people around them forever because there's such a lack of resources. Even if you, you are a well-meaning person, there's only so much to go around there. And, and you get what I'm saying? And all oil money aside, this is not a place where humans are designed to flourish. So you talk about hypnosis, talk about operating on the subconscious in order to, you know, keep people down. Well, if I had a slave population, how about you tell them that they're, that they're supposedly benevolent creator, destined them to be born in a place that seemingly hates them. The climate hates them. It's dry, it's hot, it's, it's sandy. The Middle East I'm speaking about. This is where they tell us mankind comes from. And, you know, the evolutionists will say it's Africa, but it's all the same. Well, right. Yeah. They, yeah. They say Africa is the cradle of civilization, right. Or, or Babylon, Iraq, uh, the, mm -hmm. the, the river is there, but no, you make a, a super compelling case across many layers that, uh, you know, at least, so is it all, at what point does the biblical stuff become, it, does it shift when Noah, you know, lands, uh, yes, after the flood? That's, that's the general, that's the general shift is the greater empires of the world resided in the Americas prior to a cataclysm, B 
be that the younger Dryas event. Um, I'm not, I don't really want to get into the exact cause of it, but something happened. And what that triggered was a shift in power, a shift in, in God's favor on the planet from the Western hemisphere, which if you just look at the ruins in South America, look at some of the ruins that are very well covered up in North America, you will see whoever was doing this megalithic building was doing it to a, a greater extent in the Americas prior to something happening. And then the work only continued in the Eastern hemisphere. And that is telling to me of a shift, a shift, you know, it's like today, the West is dominating, but it's not always like that. Right. So you have shifts and periods of rediscovery. And those periods of rediscovery, the most recent and most um, prominent would be Columbus coming to the Americas. Everyone knows that's not when the Americas were discovered. The Vikings were here. That's affirmed when it was denied only a couple of decades ago. Scientists would say, oh, no, no, Vikings came to America. But you know that that's what I was getting a lot of a like a like an, I took up like an amalgam of your podcast. Like you didn't talk about everything over and over again on this you know on the same podcast with the same message. A lot of different stuff, which was good. And basically, yeah, the gist was that it was this route they were just going that certain people knew about. Like what what was it like an an Irishman on Columbus's boat that knew the route or something? What's that story? Yeah, so Columbus was not just you know sailing on a whim and hoping he found something. He had a navigator. Why do you have a navigator if you're going somewhere no one's ever been before? You're going, they thought they were going to, to Asia, but they, were, they went a direction no one's ever gone before. So what the hell, what good does the navigator serve you? Now, as you mentioned, what's, what's unique about this navigator is it was a mostly Spanish ship. Uh, Columbus was allegedly Portuguese. Sorry, I'm Italian. You had Portuguese men on the ship, Spanish. You had Berbers, Moors. You had a lot of people on that ship. However, the outlier was a Irishman. His name was William Harris. William Harris was his Irish name. Now, when they logged him on the boat, they, they uh, Latinized it as Guillermo Harris. Jerez, Guillermo Harris. So that is what he was logged as. So it, it wasn't known for a long time that he was an Irishman. Now, what's why does the Irish matter? Because Irish, if you look at a map of the Americas in, in Eurasia, you have Ireland is pretty much as close to, uh, to America as you can in terms of the, you know, a northern passage. So Ireland has for many, many years, a long time, thousands of years, has been traveling to the Americas. Why is that? Because the Irish are direct descendants of the Phoenicians. And the Phoenicians were the rulers of the, the route between the Americas and Eurasia. How do we know this? Because of their copper and tin trading and the evidence that much of the copper from the Ohio Valley, Ohio River Valley area has been exported. It's not present in the, in the 
archaeological record of, of the Americas. It's gone, but we know they were mining a shit ton. So that's in Eurasia. That's what was funding a lot of the, uh, or providing a lot of the Bronze Age material to make the Bronze Age possible. That was coming out of America, um, copper. They were taking their tin out of the British Isles. And, you know, you hear words like Ireland. What does Ireland mean? Ire, ire, iron, right? Or, orland, ire, or. So, well, here, here's another one. You said you, you touched on the languages. That's, a That's good... the thing I was going to say, like your whole, a lot of your, your thing is like word connections and, and your, your ability to, to, to bridge the languages and the, and the meanings and the, it's really interesting and I love it. So uh, yeah, like the Greek thing was one, like how did the, how did the Greek get over to the, you know, sure. and, and, you know, into that Indian colony or, or you know, I guess they established that, you, you know, the story, let's hear it. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about, lang <clears throat> let's talk about language yeah. and, and let's make it really simple. Alphabet. Okay. Phonetic language uses an alphabet, meaning one letter equals one sound. One letter equals one sound. Ah, uh, they say, they, right, A, B, C, D. That's pretty much universal in all Indo-European languages. You're going to have <clears throat> this, um, this structure, this format, and it is efficient. And there's a reason everyone on the planet is speaking English. It's not just the dominance of the English empire. English is essentially the modern day Phoenician. Why? All right. So the oldest language on the planet, phonetic language, alphabetical language, meaning one letter equals one sound. That is Phoenician. The Phoenicians are the, those traders that I was just talking about who were taking goods from the Americas and bringing them to Eurasia and vice versa in the ancient world. Now, all of that is written out of history. Why? Because the Phoenicians were at odds with the Greeks and the Greeks, the, uh, the Greeks triumphed over the Phoenicians and demonized them largely, you know, slandered them, mm -hmm. wrote that, wrote them out of history. And I'm not, I'm not tugging on the Greeks there. Cause I'm, I like, you know, Plato and Herodotus as much as the next guy, but it's, it's a, a reality of, of human nature that you slander your enemies. You know, you get in an argument with someone and you say what you don't mean. Well, yeah, the winners write the history. It's done in the heat of combat. So, you know, basically it's not, we're not casting one people as benevolent and the other malevolent, but this is what happens. So the Greeks wrote the Phoenicians out of history to the, to the biggest extent they could. And then the Romans came along and they were fighting with the Phoenicians and they would end up pretty much entirely extinguishing them in the form of the Carthaginians in North Africa. And where did all, if, if Greece was dominating so much and Rome was dominating so much, had so much territory, where, where were the Phoenicians getting all this wealth and, and goods and how is it they were so strong they were able to control the port of Gibraltar and basically to the pillars of Hercules and to keep anyone going in or out. Well, you have another, another connection like that in the Gulf of Mexico, in the Gulf of Mexico, Yucatan to Florida, you have another type of pillars of Hercules where 
So you can only come in one or two ways and you can only go out one or two ways in the Gulf of Mexico, either north of Cuba or south of Cuba. But there's a pinched, a pincer, and you have to go in through that. It's very advantageous for a maritime empire, for a shipping empire to take advantage of. So blah, blah, blah. The ancient world looked like this. Many people were traveling to the Americas. We're not, we're not. Pre-Columbus. Pre-Columbus, yeah. We are not permitted that information because it, it brings about a worldview that doesn't serve the masters who are, you know, ruling over us today. Yeah. So they have to give the due to Columbus, the credit to Columbus. Why? Because he's a Jesuit Catholic. Well, he was Jewish actually, but Jesuit funded. (laughs) 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 I saw my assistant smirking at me, but, uh, Oh, it's, you're all good here. You're all, you're flying high in the friendly skies. No, it's just so fascinating that uh, basically, especially somebody who has a history degree, you really just say you explode a lot of things instantaneously if, if it's to go with your theory. And your theory and a lot of them make way more sense than what we're actually, you know, served as as history. And as I know with like Egyptology, these people have their egos wrapped around their, you know, their careers, 20 years invested and, and all this money and infrastructure. And oh, we found the pyramids this way. Oh, there's no way it can be water erosion. You know, they they won't budge on their theories because, you know. You know how it is. These people have egos and they have money and, and people invested in them. And we can't embrace any new theories because, you know, and exactly if, if you're putting a spell on a population or I mean, there's so many, too. It's it's like, OK, yeah, like the Fertile Crescent, too. And the whole like like I always wonder, like, like why is the South Carolina flag have the like the Muslim like yep. moon and star? In it? And then you, you talk about the Fertile Crescent and the Cuba and the Kaaba. It's just amazing stuff. Yeah, so you've got Crescent City is New Orleans. New Orleans used to be called Crescent City, and it still is. If you go look at the sewer caps, you walk down the street, the sewer sewer lids will show you this old Islamic iconography um, of seven stars, a crescent moon, and it's called Crescent City. And in Florida, Tarpon Springs, which is the most Greek city in the Western Hemisphere, got the highest concentration of greek people outside of greece most greek city in the united states by far like not even close one in ten people still speak greek in the house in the home with with the family um one in ten people can show you exactly where in greece they're from so there's also quotes from that area that i have on video filmed by um, the Florida State Archives of Greek people saying, this is Greece. Tarpon Springs, this is Greece. Like, I went back to Greece and Greece is new. It's developed, it's commercialized. Tarpon Springs, Florida, this is the real Greece. It's stuck in the old, hundreds year, years old Greece. And these are Greek people saying this. There are melodies that were forgotten in Greece and Menorca. Menorca is Spain. Spanish territory, but they're culturally Greek, largely. It's an island off of Spain. So the Menorcans, the Greeks, they have forgotten melodies in Eurasia, but remembered them, but they've been kept alive in Florida. So that's pretty astounding. Most people are not aware of the fact that prior to the United States even being a thing, 1776, 
around 1763, you had a full-scale Greek colonization of Florida, 1763. It was Scottish overlords and Greek workers and Greek families moving to Florida. Now, these Greeks wore red fezes, vests. Um, they grew indigo, indigo. And that's very important because if you know anything about world history and the spice trades and indigo and a couple other things were, were one of these real big commodities that entire empires were, were constructed off of, entire wars were, were fought for. And what you have is this stuff being generated in large amounts in Florida, and no one's really talking about it. What do they use it for? Is that a pigment? Indigo, yeah. It's the dye, indigo. Yeah. Royalty. There you go. If anyone who knows anything about the Phoenicians knows that they get there, they, they really introduced dyes to the ancient world or, or are credited with introducing dyes to the ancient world, especially things Tyrian dye, which ranges from a red or a purple, which is the rarest dye to go find in the wild and, and to acquire. They could also find blue, right? So blue is a rare one to have as well, because usually you had to get these from berries. That was mm -hmm. like the only real source and that might not last that long. The indigo comes from a plant and then they have a blue dye. So that's the red. The red typically comes from the indigo, red dyes. The blue typically comes from crushed up shellfish, a type of shellfish that produces this dye. And so, now this is a separate thing I'm talking about here, but anyone who's seen horseshoe crabs and what they oh, use, yeah. what they Wood use, blood. Horseshoe crab blood for it's like they they some people call horseshoe crabs immortal. I'm not sure their lifespan, but they they have a hard time dying. It's like they live forever, and they're ancient. They you know evolution's a bunch of baloney, but even in the minds of these evolutionists, they're like this thing hasn't changed at all. Why? And that's like a dinosaur. They're all they're all over the place down here. Where do you, where do you live in Florida? I'm in Palm Beach, Lake nice. Worth. I'm in Melbourne, Space Coast. Nice. Yeah, it's been crazy growing up here with Disney World and, and the space shuttle. I, I I was too concerned with what, what was going on now to think about like, oh, it's just a dusty old swamp, alligators and mosquitoes. And But I listen to your stuff and I'm like, oh my God, because I, I was thinking about moving. I'm like, maybe I should stay. I mean, I've lived here my whole life. And yeah. I mean, it's been a godsend during the pandemic. I mean, I don't know how you feel about all those things, but definitely you're, you really like make, you make me want to go back and re-explore all these places I've been. And I, you know, from a, like, I used to live near the, the tree that the crackhead or the meth head, um, the Senator. Yeah. The Senator. I used to live right near that. I, so I got to experience the Senator before, but I, I was living there right when it happened. It was, it was such a shame, but I didn't know yeah. that. Like it was like basically like the redwood forest here and they're cutting down like 10,000 year old trees. Like yeah. they, they didn't really think about it when they were cutting them down. Like we're, we're going to wait 10,000 more years ever, you know, like what, so what, how did these, how, how long has it, has it always been like this in Florida? Like, do you think, hold on, do you think dinosaurs existed? Cause I didn't really think you talked about this at all. I think they're the, the giants are actually the dinosaur bones. What do you think? The, the, you think the giants 
or the giant bones bones? they they pass them off as dinosaur bones okay so you're saying like giant human bones they find giants but then they have have to pass them off as dinosaurs because they don't want people to know for whatever reason that you know giants are reality well let's talk about well reality that's a good word to let's talk about reality right right let's talk about that (laughs) now there's the reality of mammals that have gone extinct that previously lived on the Florida Peninsula, and you can provably go find yourself if you take a scuba diving course. You can snorkel. You don't even need a scuba dive. You go in any of these Florida rivers, okay? Any of them, swampy, spring water, it doesn't matter. The spring, the springs preserve the bones, and the swamp water preserves the bones amazingly. It's like, this is another thing. Why is God, why is Florida the fountain of youth and the Garden of Eden and the land of long life? Well, just look at the, how the fossils react in this place. When something falls into the water in Florida, it stays as is for thousands of years, depending on what type of water it falls into. The, the clear spring water will preserve bone for a long time. Yeah, like how you, you talk about that a lot, like presidents yeah. being sent down here, the regenerative properties, vitamin C, oranges. Yeah. Well, where did Rockefeller, where did John D. Rockefeller move to before it was even a thing to retire? uh florida he retired to florida and bought a not so nice called cottage that was previously the site of sacrificial altar of the Temukua tribe who were giants themselves over seven feet tall eight and a half feet tall and they used to display an eight and a half foot tall giant in jekyll island a skeleton in the jekyll island museum and that's no longer on display. But Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, built his mound right where, sorry, built his cottage right where the mound is. And how do we know that? How can we test that? Well, it's called Indian Mound Cottage. So mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty in the open. But this is where the Federal Reserve was being drafted. I think it was finalized in the, in the clubhouse of Jekyll Island, but oh, yeah. they, they were doing a lot of this work in the parlor room of John D. Rockefeller's Indian Mound Sacrificial Altar Cottage. And so blah, blah, blah. Well, let's touch on the language. I wanted to touch on that. Oh, yeah, definitely. The language is so such a good one. Let's let's. How can we substantiate a lot of the stuff that I'm saying? Well, we've, we've covered a lot. You know, the Phoenicians, the Greeks. Well, where does Greek come from? You know, they, they'll say Aramaic is one of the oldest written languages. Well, that comes from something. And that something is Phoenician. Phoenician. Yeah. Hebrew, which many people will erroneously say is the oldest language on the planet. That comes from somewhere too. Phoenician. Mm-hmm. Now there's another one. Sanskrit. Some people will say Sanskrit came in. Well, the Sanskrit was introduced by people calling themselves the Aryans who moved in from the Northwest down into India and introduced that language. So that had to come from somewhere else. And if you follow that far enough east, sorry, west over into uh, Europe, what you find is Phoenician, essentially, right? You get runes. Now, English comes from runic. English, Gaelic, Germanic, Norse is written in runes, all these languages, ancient languages. Phoenician, where we get 
So Greek, Hebrew, um, those come from Phoenician. German, Norse, like I just said, come from the runic. Now, runic and Phoenician, they're the same. So they are the same. That means that everything written in runes is just about as old as everything written in Phoenician. And Phoenician, when used in North Africa, it goes by the name Punic, Punic, and then runes are written in runic. Mm. So runic, Punic, we're, we're told officially they have nothing to do with each other, but anyone who knows what they look like will know they're near identical. They're actually just a little bit backwards, but it's the same exact symbols, same exact characters. So the Greek language may have not only originated in, in the Americas, but its predecessor was absolutely present in the Americas because this Paleo-Hebrew or Paleo-Greek, as it's sometimes called, they're one and the same, and it's essentially Phoenician. That's what they call Phoenician when it's being written somewhere, that Phoenician's not supposed to show up, like the Americas. So they'll call these rune stones, and they are runes, because like I said, runes and runic and punic are the same thing. Now, Phoenician, here, I can, I can drill this point home further. Finnish is written in runes. Finnish. Finnish is a one in a million language. That's unlike all uh, European languages. It's not related to the Indo-European language family. Now, that's because it's the most phonetic language on the planet, meaning one letter equals one sound almost always, 99.9% .9 of the time. In English, we have all these throwaway letters that are, mm -hmm. th that are there more to look at than actually serve a phonetic purpose. And there's all these rules that have to be remembered that, don't, or that aren't always followed and are contradicted very often. In Finnish, being at the top of the planet, being closest to the North Pole, Finnish language is the most phonetic, phonetic, Finnish, Phoenician. Mm -hmm. Well, the Finnish are the Phoenicians. And, and I'll loop this all back here, back to the Irishman who brought Columbus to the Americas. Why does it matter that he was Irish? Because the Phoenicians settled Ireland. And this is where we get the very famous Irish names of Finn, Finnegan, um, Phineas, all these Finn names come from the Phoenicians. And the word Finn itself means like fins, like a, a fish's fins, mm -hmm. denoting a maritime origin for that word. You know, seafarers who sailed the seas. Finns, Finns, Finnishmen, Phoenicians. So the Finnish, the Finnegans, the Phoenicians, one and the same. Anyone who's read Finnegan's Wake, I believe they, he uses the word Phoenician in the, per, in the first paragraph. I think that's James Joyce, Finnegan's mm -hmm. Wake. Um, he, uh, you know, considered one of the greatest like liter literary works in English. And I think he was, he was trying to tell us something of that connection. 
anyone who studied studied language deep enough arrives at this real realization. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien being a prime example. J.R.R. Tolkien, the creator of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, the Hobbit, you know, mm -hmm. the Middle Earth universe. He was this was not pure fiction. <clears throat> he used real language to construct his mythologies, and the one that he centered on the most was Finnish. So it's <clears throat> it's been said that about ninety percent of Lord of the Rings is taken straight from Finnish language. His languages are largely derived from Finnish. His mythologies, his folklore legends, are taken from <clears throat> from Finnish mythology like the Kalevala, which is the most famous Finnish myth. And then, so I said that's 90% of Lord of the Rings. Well, then 10% is Welsh. Welsh. You know, Welsh is, you know, British in the British Isles, <clears throat> but it's separate from English, separate from, from Irish. Welsh is the wellspring of many languages. And Welsh, I've been saying, Finnish is the key Phoenician is the key to phonetic language and the origin of all alpha, alphabetical language. Welsh, however, shout out to Ross Broadstock. Everyone go look up Ross Broadstock at Britain's Hidden History. He, his like, life's work for the, I don't know how long he's been doing it, but he's been uh, blowing the lid off this connection between Welsh he, he was a Welsh Welshman. Um, Welsh being the key language decipher to all pictographical language on the planet, but primarily Egyptian hieroglyphs. Egyptian hieroglyphs being decoded and translated directly into Welsh. That is, that's like the. No, it's crazy. I live in Japan and I studied Japanese for quite a bit. And you could even then see like, not, well, I can't think of a word, um, such like the days of the week, the symbols were the same as like the, the Latin and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, well, there's something going on here at, a, at a, I think a, a, a level higher than our understanding. Mm -hmm. I think like art created at an unconscious level, whether it's good or bad. And, you know, there's all kinds of things going into the creation of it that we're not conscious of. And I think that happens with language too. And you're definitely, I think, tapped into it. Like another thing I found fascinating was that like the Alabama and the Miami, all the different names and the and the different connections to either the Mayans or I guess the Islamic connection of like the the Gulf states and mm -hmm. like that that was one of the more fascinating ones was the the connections with the language to like for example like Al as a prefix to like sure. all these things we just take for granted. Alabama, you mm -hmm. um, get a bunch. The Alas, Dallas, Dallas, yeah. Ta'alahasi, Allah. Um, you have Ta'aladega, Ta'alah. And there's, a, there's many others, you know, not just the Allah, but all these Islamic words. For example, Alafaya. Alafaya. Uh, Alafaya. Yeah. Alaf, yeah. I live so, there. Yeah. Well, that's, nice. that's, that's a Muslim gr greeting. I always Alaf thought these were, these were like, native american names but now i'm listening to your stuff and it's like no this is greek and this is uh you know like some kind of uh muslim Ar arabic well it's one and the same because as you touched on earlier um in my creek equals greek video yeah that's the, crazy the vast majority of the southeast united states the tribes in, the, in that area 
are generally, now there's many tribes, they identify separately, but they've mostly been summed up. The, the largest group surviving, you know, lineage is Creek natives, Creek with a C, C-R-E-E-K. Now I, on a whim, started thinking, okay, well, Creek, I started seeing the natives wearing Fustanella, which is like a traditional Greek getup with a fez, right, right, um, vest, and you know tassels, and it's a very Islamic, like Moorish getup. And the natives in Florida were wearing this stuff, and I said, okay, well, Greek. And then you look at the connection of in the 1700s, like I said, uh, Northeast Florida was settled, colonized by thousands of Greek people. And then in 1890s, Tarpon Springs was settled, which is essentially Tampa Bay, just north of Tampa Bay, was settled by thousands of Greek people. So is, do you think that's the initial Greek influence? Do you think? No, no, no. That is a remembering. That is a return. That is like salmon responding to this. So does Greek come from, you know, Florida or does it come from Greece? Ultimately, <laughs> like a lot of the stuff is an inversion. We're basically saying that Florida is... It's presented as the new world, but it's actually the old world that, you know, I guess we've forgotten about as a collective and we rediscovered and we've kind yep. of lived this new narrative post-Columbus. Mm-hmm. So the yes. Greeks, how, how did the Greek get into the Native America, into the creek? How did that happen? Well, initially? they didn't, they didn't get into them. They, they split off at some point at a, during a cataclysm where the Greeks who landed in Eurasia, who are, who are distinct to most of the people living around them. If anyone who's seen true-blooded greek people they have the, the straight nose they have um you can pet them like a horse mm-hmm. yeah i've been told i have a greek nose it's a high bridge mm-hmm. you know, high bridge yeah, yeah profile view they look flat flat down and um this this facial structure is unique to the greek this is why you know who's seen um godfather he's there in Italy and they're like, Oh, that girl looks Greek. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's a certain look and you see it in some of the busts. And this look is also mirrored in some of the native Americans who have this high bridge on the nose that descends, you know, very straight down. And what you have is the Maya will often have this type of nose, a straight bridge and so that's one connection, but back to the language, the Creek being Greek, that sounds like a stretch, right? Well, there's a lot to it. And after the fact, after I pieced a lot of this together, I would find a newspaper that completely knocked it out of the park and just affirmed everything and, and serves as utter proof that this was not my findings, not the work of this Moorish community research that that's going on right now, but it was being written and remarked upon in the 1800s as, as fact, as obvious fact that certain native Americans were speaking full blown paleo Greek as late as the civil war. Now there was a guy and there's a guy named Donald Panther Yates or William Pan. I forget his name, Donald Panther Yates. I think his name is, Who's a geneticist? Yeah, Donald Panther Yates, geneticist, 
uh, part Cherokee who tracked down a lot of this. So genetically, you can verify this. Most Creek and Cherokee natives have a large amount of Mediterranean blood in them. That's, that's verifiable. Anyone mm -hmm. can, go, can go look this up. Native Americans, Greek DNA. It's the, the door is blown, you know, right off the hinges. Right. That's the, that's the good thing. So, is you've got well, some... here, let me give you some examples of, of the language. I don't want to just talk about the that was one of the best parts, too. It was like, whoa, like these are the same words. So there's no way yeah. there's no it's beyond, you know, yeah. coincidence. Let's talk about uh, some other words now in in southeastern United States. Like I said, many tribes, you know, they weren't all the same. They didn't all speak the same. But we're going to generalize here with the names that that were left in place today. You know, regardless of what tribe they came from, we're just going to look at all the names that are native and in Florida today. Okeechobee is perhaps one of the most famous native words. Mm -hmm. Oki means water in native Creek or Creek related languages in, in Florida. Oshi or Oki with a K and a Y is Greek for water or ocean. That's where we mm -hmm. get the word ocean. That's why ocean is spelled with a C and not an S because mm. it, comes, it comes from that same root of Oki, O-K-Y. Now that is the same word and same meaning, meaning water in both ancient Greek and ancient Greek. Here's another one. There's a city in Florida called Palatka. Right. Oh yeah. Heard of that one? Well, yep. Oh yeah. In Palatka, you have sorry, Palatka means crossing or bridge or walkway in native, native language. Uh, that's what's crazy crazy about it. If you go to Palatka, which is what we call it, Palatka. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Keep going. In Greek with a G, Greek from the Mediterranean, Plaka. P-L-A-K-A, plaka, so just minus one syllable, but same word, palatka versus plaka. Guess what plaka means? <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> Guess what plaka means? Plaka means walkway or bridge, si yeah. sidewalk, sidewalk, something to walk through, you know, mm -hmm. or it means a boardwalk, like a plank, plaka, plank. So um, that's another one. Now let's talk about Mayaka. Okeechobee, the tribe around Lake Okeechobee was going by the name Mayaka. And they extended northward up a little bit to the eastern coast of Florida. After that Greek, that Greek with a G, coloniz colonization of Florida in the 1700s. Do you know what many of those people were coming from? An island called Majorca. Uh, <laughs> Majorca. And they're leaving Majorca and landing in a territory that was once known as Mayaka. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are the odds of that? Right. And then you also have many places uh, around, um, around uh, Florida. You know what? I'm going to bring up. Let me see if I can find one of these. Uh, there's actually a chart. I was I was trying to go off the top of my head 
those are the ones that I found. But Donald Pantheory Yates, who does a lot of that genetic work I'm talking about, mm -hmm. it's not just the language, it's the genetics too. Oh, well, well yeah, I mean, it's pretty, that's pretty good evidence right there. You know, the, the, the DNA and all that, it's pretty, pretty solid. You know, so how much more, you know, can you get? I know. Well, you know, well, here, let's get into another angle, you know. Well, the words are mind blowing. You know, it's like, what are the coincidences? What's the synchronicity here? Like, what are the odds that uh, these different languages are going to have the same meaning for the yeah, same can, things? Let's see. That, that'll, that might be the first thing I present. So I'm going to flip through. Well, here's some of the genetic. Can you see my screen? Yeah. Can you see my, just the window? Can yeah. You make out the words in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can read it. Okay. So here is some of Donald or Ronald. Yeah. Donald Panther Yates, some of his work. Mm -hmm. Now Cherokees spoke Greek and came from East Mediterranean. Now this has been almost undeniably proven it's just the mainstream will not give it the recognition it deserves yeah this is some of the genetic evidence genetic traces mysterious origins geneticist traces mysterious origins of native americans to middle east and ancient greece that's a separate article and um you know the creeks many of them are wearing togas turbans things that you'd expect to find in the middle east the mediterranean mm -hmm. And um, got to find this article. Great article that if I find really proves this point. When, when's the book coming out? You writing a book yet? I'm going to do something. Yeah. I, I know you've got some narrative in your head you want to tell. Well, there's a. Um, I mean, there's just so much, though. My brother and I are working on some public uh, doing publishing, getting up publishing. Uh, it's mainly my brother doing that. But he'll be doing publishing. I'll be doing the writing in a in a couple of weeks, yeah. a couple of months, hopefully. My first my first book would be um, not that you care, but my first book would be um, astrological names. So names. I'm into it. I like numerology and astrology, and and uh, yeah. maybe we can talk about that if we get time. So right here is a perfect perfect um demonstration of what i'm talking about you can verify this yourself i'm not just mm -hmm. piecing together pieces here here we have a inscription on a rock in the americas in clear paleo greek and this says and this is mirrored by the creek words for the same exact phrase in cherokee we have the word Ho ni kasa, meaning the victor, the winner, the champion. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's written. Right. In ancient Greek or modern Greek, I'm not sure. But at the top is the Cherokee syllabary, I believe. A B is how it's pronounced. Right. C is how it's inscribed on the rock. And then D is the Greek equivalent. E mm -hmm. is, is the English meaning. So D is the Greek word, the Greek spelling for the same exact thing, o-ni-kasa. So ho-ni-kasa and o-ni-kasa, the victor, the winner. Yeah, same meaning. So that's what's the crazy part is, is, okay, it sounds the same, but the meaning, you know, it's obviously the same thing. It's crazy. Now here is 
Oh, wait, that's not what I wanted. Well, here's, you know, while I got this up, uh, some of the people that I'm talking about, the Creeks, mm -hmm. the, the Muskogee tribe of Florida and the Southeast United States, this is their flag with this Islamic iconography. Where is that coming from? The, you know, there's no good explanation for this. They tell us, oh, the South Carolina crescent comes from the gorgette that the Civil War soldiers would wear, which is like a little piece of armor, right, right. armor that scoops around the throat. That's BS. Because here we have a different spot in Southeast United States using clearly what's a crescent moon and the star. So if South Carolina is the crescent in this Islamic um, insignia, Texas is the lone star, wouldn't it be? Why right. is Texas the lone star? Because it's the star in the clutches of the crescent moon. And this symbol is not just generated by veneration for the moon, but it's, it, it was brought about by an awareness of the shape of the landmass that provided these empires with such, with such um, foster, with such, with such uh, favorable conditions. Abundance, such, yeah. Yeah, with such a protected kind of sandbox. Yeah, I was thinking when, of. when I was looking at this, that the, the Gulf was the, obviously the moon and then maybe Cuba, you know, because mm -hmm. the Gulf is like Florida and then the, yep. the Yucatan Peninsula, or whatever that's called. And right. then the star was um, Cuba, which is the Kaaba, is what you mm -hmm. were saying. It would be. Oh, that, so that's what it is. And okay, so, so how does Texas take on the Lone Star State then? Like, well, you're right. You're right. Because I'm not saying that Texas is the star it, in, in this configuration. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. I just but, want to clarify. Okay. But just, just like South Carolina is not in the crescent. Right. For sure. Mexico. But it's, these are emblems of an empire that once reigned supreme in this area. Ah, and right. Was, okay. was beaten back to certain certain localities over time and eventually extinguished from are these are these the moors you think and this yeah the moors but you know it's a it's a it's a tricky thing to to decipher because remember a lot of this moorish community says well we've always been here and we were here before we're still here we didn't go away meanwhile the mainstream's trying to tell us every single florida native is dead and it was genocided and it's gone forever yeah. or died, died of disease or died of starvation or they left to Cuba. Well, you got a lot of melanated people in the Southeast United States, a lot of them. And are we really going to believe that they all came on a boat from Africa? That's kind of a hard pill to swallow. And it's mm -hmm. a hard one to convince people of. And it has a lot of political implications, especially Remember, if, if we're this malevolent, over, these malevolent, malevolent overlords trying to control our slave population, what are we going to teach them? Are you going to teach them you're exactly where you belong? Or are you going to teach them you're a slave? You come from, you come, <laughs> you come from the, you come from nowhere. You know, you're an, you're a mistake. It, it, it's, yeah. all, it's all in bad blood. You know, you were robbed. You were, you were fooled. You were brought here. You don't know who you are. And now, I can, I can see how that can really work on someone's subconscious. 
and bring about a, a nihilism, a hatred of others, a hatred of life. Oh, why me? Why this? You know, and I think it, Southeast United States are, is suffering with that mm-hmm. today. So I think a lot of this stuff we're talking about actually has the potential to not to be like a hallmark card here, but to actually uplift people because the truth will, you know, will set people free. But this truth is, is such a sweet nectar to drink because like you said about Florida, I grew up also kind of thinking my land, not my land, but my state was, uh, you know, nothing to remark upon. You yeah, know, flat just, and hot and boring. Well, now I know that it's the fountain of youth. It has the largest high, the highest concentration of freshwater springs in the world. That's the thing. It's like you—you you really sell it as a super high vibing place, like literally the Garden of Eden. So the Fountain of Youth—I never hear you talk about this in the other podcast. What, what's the story with the Fountain of Youth here in Florida? But besides what we obviously know with Ponce de Leon looking for it, mm-hmm. did he find it? What happens? What's the narrative after that? Yeah. See, I think that's where they kind of, they kind of hijack the, the myth is they they get everyone too committed to one version of the the myth. Mm-hmm. And once that myth being already, you know, constructed off of someone else's myth that that was a game of telephone that made it to us, I think if you're using that type of constructed idea of, you know, oh, he went here, then he was finding this, I think that is where they really fool everyone with the fountain of youth concept because the fountain of youth is Florida itself. I was going to say, it's a metaphor. It's the, well, it is a metaphor, but it is, it's a real one. Well, it's a literal, it's a reality. Like it's not exactly. a fountain that you drink out of, but it's the place itself. You can sink your teeth into it. Now right. it's not one faucet is, is what we're saying here. It's not one, one hose, one, you know, little Creek that, mm-hmm. that did, did the trick. It's the whole state. And I could even uh, widen this out to include the Yucatan Peninsula. Why? Because Florida has the highest concentration of freshwater springs in the world. Well, the Yucatan has a has a very high concentration of hot water springs too. So you can see there's almost it's almost like a hot hot uh, what do they call the handles on a sink? You have one hot faucet and a cold one on the left. You know, so Florida's yeah. the land of this cool sweet water sweet water meaning you can drink it fresh water mm-hmm. and then you have kind of and there's sulfur water here too in florida and that stuff's important but in the yucatan they're more famous for their steam baths and stuff like that and the cenotes are not the same as florida but still japan's got a similar vibe too with the with the hot springs and uh you know i think locality the ocean you know i yeah I, you talk about it being like such a place of like refreshing waters and the, the 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 currents and the the jet streams always blowing over nothing really hangs over florida it's nope. this constant oasis uh that's always regenerating and, and it's uh you know it's like almost like a, like a it gushes out slowly to the world is the best way i could put it oh yeah um you know the mississippi river is the mother of all waters that's what the mississippi name the name mississippi means or could be the father. Some people say it means father of all the waters, but uh, I've seen it as mother mm-hmm. of all the waters. Now, how do we know that? Well, hello, Mrs. 
can I take your hat? You know, miss, mm -hmm. would you come, would you come this way? Mrs. You know, please, Mrs. Mississippi. And to bring it back to the America is the old world argument and that much Mediterranean North African culture originates in the Gulf of Mexico area. We can prove that by what is the nickname for the original Nile river. The Nile river is said to have been nicknamed the river Isis. Now only one river on the planet has the word Isis in it today. That's the Mississippi or the Mississippi, Ma Isis Ippi. So Mrs. Mississippi, you have the mother of all the waters. That river, which which is way more of a cargo cargo route than the Nile. The Nile is is a joke of a cargo of mm -hmm. a cargo cargo route. It's nice to you know boat and and you know take a safari or raft ride whatever it's it's beautiful and it has rich history but the nile is the real breadwinner okay the nile is the money maker sorry the mississippi is the true nile so a lot of people are in denial about this but um <laughs> basically <laughs> the mississippi is the true river isis of the true old egypt you know, I think a lot of some a lot of people are just kind of gypped when it terms when it comes to this. Uh, well, uh, that one wasn't as smooth. That was but. that was a good one. I kind of <laughs> I heard it on the but, other uh, podcast, so I heard you use that one already. All right, well, the the gypsies that are they're from Egypt, essentially. That's where the the. But the, some people would argue like you're making these word jumps, but you know that it's like the translations aren't equal. Like, was it really called ISIS? You know, is it, is that the exact way it was said? You know, obviously it was some symbol. How does that equate to the English version of Mississippi? You know what I mean? Like, I get what you're saying. And I'm totally on board. Like, you've changed my mind about Florida 100%. Like, I need to get out of here and explore. Like, the whole thing about, isn't your theory on the flood, it was like the, the asteroid that went into the into Mexico or whatever? Like, I heard you talk about that, too. Like, the ultimately, what was your, like, view on dinosaurs, by the way? Right. So I don't believe in dinosaurs. I, I, I don't either. Yeah. Like I, like I said, I'm very guilty of speaking sideways, not to the point, but mm -hmm. um, about the dinosaurs, there's a distinction to be made. There's large prehistoric animals that are no longer alive, but their bones are all over the place and you can go dig them up yourself in any of these Florida Springs or swamps doesn't matter. The, the clean spring water and the dirty swamp water both preserve bones for thousands of years. So mammoth bones are brought up to the surface with a higher frequency in Florida than anywhere else in the world. Okay. In, in other places in the world where they're digging for quote unquote dinosaur bones, you have a team of like 30 people on a fucking trillion dollar budget in a pre-designated dig site where they know they're going to find bones because someone probably planted them to begin with right there mm -hmm. to find later. <laughs> but um, in Florida, what you have is anyone, you, me, you go out to one of these rivers and you look hard enough, I guarantee you, you will find a mammoth bone, a mammoth tooth, saber-toothed tiger. All these things were real. Mm -hmm. This is not fake. These are not made up. They did die. Something did kill them off. Now, the dinosaur 
angle is a different thing. The dinosaur plays into this because the dinosaur theory plays in because they tell us that. Hold, hold on one second. Hold on one second. I got to do something technical. Be sure. Just two seconds. No worries. All right. Sorry about that. The cat needed to get in here and it, the, the box is in here. So if it needs to use the bathroom, you know, you know, I don't know if you have pets, but you know, how it goes. Uh, oh, I got a cat too. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think he just wants attention, but uh, you never know. He might have to go number two, but anyway, the Bible and the, and the, oh, so, you know, so I guess we wanted to get to the anchors. Sure. If we, if we have time, yeah. like, because that's what's kind of going with that meteor hit, I guess. So I'll let you tell the story because I'm just totally mashing everything up and destroying it. But the, the, the anchors are a fascinating thing too. And the giants, right? The giant civilization. I guess we'll, we'll go into the anchors real quick and then we'll wrap it up. Sure. Sure. Um, I'll share my screen here. I've got some Atlantis. We briefly, mentioned Atlantis. Um, <clears throat> Atlantis is the Americas. How can we verify that? Well, Atlantis, if we just generalize, is said to have been the greatest, oldest maritime empire, right? Mm -hmm. Su superior to the Greeks, superior and predecessing, sorry, preceding the Phoenicians. Well, this is your... This is your this is where the mystery real starts. But blah blah blah. Atlantis is an ancient maritime empire, naval power, and they rivaled the Greeks, dominated the Greeks. But where do we find evidence for these people? Now, there's a, such a thing as a stone anchor, and let me show you some typical stone anchors. Um, these are typical stone anchors. So found in the Mediterranean, found in the Pacific, found, you name it, where you would expect to find a thousand year old maritime cultures. You find rocks like this, typically limestone with holes bored through them, typically two, one, two, three, four sometimes, but these are typical one, two, three holes. And the reason that there'd be two is that when these hit the mucky bottom of, of the ocean, they'll, they'd get stuck oftentimes, or they'd get, they'd kind of sink in and get. Yeah, they almost look like fishing weights. Yeah, hard to pull out of the ground. Yeah. Now, having a hole at either side would allow two people to go to either side of the boat with two ropes, and they would be able to pull mm -hmm. to, to shimmy this rock loose from either side of the boat. Now that's what the two holes serve, the purpose of the two holes serve and, or multiple holes. Here's some, here's some more in, you know, this is exactly how you find them out in the Mediterranean. These can be as small as, um, as small as a dinner plate. These can be as big as a refrigerator, but, you yeah, really? for people that are just listening, because this is what, what I was thinking when I was listening, they just look like rocks with holes in them. They don't look like anchors, like like a traditional like right. thing you're going to hook into the bottom with, like you think the, the shape. They're just literally like rocks with holes in them, which is right. uh, which I was what I was trying to understand it as as I was listening earlier. Well, thank thank you. I it slips my mind sometimes that people yeah. aren't, aren't viewing with us, but you're right. It's these are before the anchor was invented as we mm -hmm. know it. 
what was the universal method of, of anchoring a ship was a rock with a hole in it. And some people will say, well, well, if there was an ancient empire and they were advanced, why wouldn't they build something more advanced than this? Well, right. this is practical. This is renewable. This is foolproof. This is, you know, mm-hmm. keep it simple, stupid, you know? So this is, it's the truth. But this is what anchors looked like, ancient anchors. This is the typical ancient stone anchor. I think everyone gets that. Now, like I said, found in the Mediterranean, found in Austronesia, found in Indonesia, the Pacific Islands, exactly where you'd expect to find lots and lots of history of people piloting boats. Well, what sets Florida apart? There aren't supposed to be any ancient maritime empires in Florida. So if there were ancient stone anchors, that would certainly be a wrench in the wheel of our modern academia, a wrench in the spokes. Well, let's look at some of those Florida anchors. Right off the bat, the anchors, ancient stone anchors of Florida, which there aren't supposed to be any, they are thousands of pounds. So the average stone anchor in the Mediterranean is about the size of a backpack. Okay. Mm -hmm. This big is like a a pretty big one. And that, that could hold a 30 foot boat, you know? Yeah. It looks like the size of a car there at least. Well, that one. Oh, wait, I see the, I see the scale there. I couldn't see the little house. Yeah. Yeah. That one you're looking at, this is Florida. You're right. Yeah. That's huge. So that one is about as big as a but you, you wouldn't know, though, looking at it. You'd have to have some real specialized knowledge to know what you were looking at there. Hey, there's just a rock with a hole in it. Exactly. Giant rock with a hole in it. That's about as large as two refrigerators put together, mm-hmm. that one. Yes. Yeah. It's upwards of 8,000 pounds, if I had to guess. Now, on the left here, can you see my mouse? Yeah. Right here, you have a telltale rope mark, meaning that this hole had a rope fastened to it that was forming a groove on this side right here. And this is evidence that a rope was fastened and eroded over long periods of time. This one groove right here. So this is where a rope would be coming off of this anchor, attaching it to a ship. It looks like the rope would be like the girth of a trash can. Well, we'll, we'll get into it. Pretty big. This man right here is John Saxer. He's, this is the first guy to realize what these stones were. That is why they're today called Saxer stones. He was featured in Ancient American Magazine. This is Boca Raton, Florida, that anchor. This one is somewhere else in Florida. This is, I call this one Flora's anchor because of the, the street that it's on. So I've, I'm giving these all nicknames now. This is called Flora's anchor. And this one is the first anchor that John recognized. And I made my Saxer Stones documentary with John. I went is over he, Is he still alive? Yeah, he's still alive. He's, cool. I saw him last weekend. And here we have another telltale rope mark at the top of this. Just imagine this is yeah. like a, a lead, you know, a lead weight on your mm-hmm. fishing line. It would have a spot where it would, where it would fasten on to the line. But the rest 
of the mass would be down at the bottom, right? So this is an anchor. And I'll show you a diagram, like what it looks like being used by a ship, deployed by a ship. Um, so that's Flora's anchor. This one's probably 5,000, 8,000, maybe a little more than that. But oh, here, yeah. Here we have one that is well upwards of 10,000 pounds, mm -hmm. poss possibly 15,000 pounds. Could be a heck of a lot more than that. We don't really know. Um, John Saxer, right there on the left, he's about five foot nine. This thing's about 10 yeah, feet, 10, 10, at least, 10 feet yeah. tall. Easy. So, and perfect hole in the middle. Now in the bottom right corner is a rope groove. At the top here, this was actually shaped like a, like a pillow, um, so to speak, or a laptop, rectangular kind of. Mm -hmm. And this, this hole at the bottom here was only, was one of two holes. And at the top right here was another. Oh yeah, you could see another tell. hole. Yeah. And this this uh, came came together around the side so that you had two holes just just precisely like the ones I was showing you mm -hmm. the small the small ones like this yeah and here's some people say oh well you know those holes might be natural well here's one that completely blows that out of the water this hole is drilled through like a foot straight through the stone perfect perfect like the size of a soda can perfectly bored machine mm -hmm. machined tooled it's extraordinary this is from the other side from the top down this is from the bottom up i got a video of that in my sacks or stones documentary this one we call the sand dollar oh yeah because, wow. of, its, because of its shape two perfectly bored parallel holes there's rope marks all over this one. Now these are used as like landscaping features, pieces in landscaping. Here's one in um, my hometown. I was just driving by and it's planted right in the golf course. Look at the perfection of that hole. That's clean. Yeah. Machine drilled. Yeah. Perfect hole. And most of the mass is down at the bottom, the holes up at the top, like you'd expect to find on a, a, a waiter, something like that, a lead weight. So how'd they get up there? Well, how'd they, how'd they land in these spots? Right. So we should be finding these in the water off the coast if they mm -hmm. were belonging to large, large vessels. And by the way, I should have mentioned, if, if you can't tell from the scale if those backpack-sized anchors belong to boats on par with our modern fishing vessels, these anchors would belong to boats on par with our modern aircraft carriers, right. war, warships, cruise, cruise ships. Some of those big ones would belong to a couple of those, and that's all you need for a cruise ship. Two of these guys would probably right, get, exactly. get the, yeah, get it's the cruise job ship style. Done. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's really, I, I, I fill in a lot more of the gaps on my channel, mm -hmm. but I, I think that's enough to get people's imagination. Going. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't, we won't spoil it then. <laughs> well, that's, I'm not holding back anything. I'm just saying 
Oh no, I know. Well, that's the thing. Like, you don't really, true. you don't have a book. You don't really have anything. Do you have a Patreon? Like, how do how do people support you, or can they support you? I do have a Patreon, but I don't promote it or beg for money. That right. Well, stuff, stuff I appreciate it. I don't really do that either, and uh, I just try to make everything free and available. And <laughs> and that's awesome that you're doing this, and you've blown my mind, man, like big time. And I've, like I said, grew up my whole life. Now, do you have any like like I said, when I was a little kid, I saw maybe a mile or two off the coast of you know, the space coast up here, little pyramids popping out of the top of the water. I never saw them again. I was a little kid. So who knows if it was even true hmm. underwater pyramids, stuff like that off the coast. What, what about off the coast? I know that a lot, there's a lot of shallow water. There's obviously a lot of shipwrecks and stuff. Um, anything going on with NASA, uh, anything like, do you know, like how Disney, somebody told me that Disney got his property from NASA that, you know, the, the story is Disney secretly just bought all the property up in Florida you don't want anybody to know he was buying it because the prices would go up. But then somebody told me the other day that it's like, no, NASA gave Disney all that property. Do you know anything about like modern Florida history at all? Do you follow any of that stuff? Do you have any gravy? Not as, not as much. Um, do you think NASA is a real thing? Do you, do you think like the earth is flat or you know what I mean? Like, do you think what they present? No, is the earth truthful? Is, listen, man, don't ask a question if you don't want the, the oh, truth, the truth will answer. The Earth is not a spinning ball. I, I, I agree. It. it simply cannot be. Um, if if Neil deGrasse Tyson is the is the, the, the front, I like, line, I like the audience tonight. That's great. The front lines of this of this war, then I think we've already won in terms of right. uh, You know what the shape of this planet is. I will err on the side of Plato. Herodotus, um, you know, Pythagoras, the Greeks did not think the earth was round. That is a bunch of baloney. Okay. They said sphere. They might've used the word sphere. Right. Well, sphere is a sphere of influence. Okay. You have a sphere around you. You have a sphere of influence. When they said the earth, they, they said the world is round because the sphere represented a perfection to them equal mm-hmm. and equal in every direction metaphorically speaking. So that's been twisted the same way the astrology has been twisted and all this stuff. We didn't get into any. There's so much we could have gotten into. Like there's serious, so many things I want to talk about, like well, we'll the, golden, again. The, the golden apples and uh, you know, the, the Muslims came from Mexico and um, golf courses as burial mound cover up and dragons in the Everglades. I mean, there's so much we really didn't get into like Noah's Ark. Like I just want people to know that Florida is the, garden of eden noah's ark was manufactured here well here one last thing i'll show one last thing we build them good in florida this you know how can we link noah's ark with those um with florida and how do we know noah's ark might have left florida well what have i what have i been showing you stone anchors Mm -hmm. let's look at where noah's ark is said to have landed mount ararat what mm-hmm. do we, what do we find on Mount Ararat? We Uh-oh. find, we find giant stone anchors wow. with, hole, with holes drilled right through them. Now the the Templars went here; they knew what they were looking at, and they carved Templar crosses onto them. But this is where Noah's Ark is said to have landed, mm-hmm. and you have giant stone anchors. And now, last thing, please look up ancient stone anchors. 
but there's another word that may be more correct than anchors. And forgive me for eating a tangerine, but oh, you're, that's a golden apple. Yeah, I'm out of water. <laughs> getting, like, getting a little hoarse over here, but um, <clears throat> thank you, man. Here you go. Um, fuck, I for, forgot what I was going to say. We were talking about the other name for the arc or whatever, or the anchors. You, you had some other name that we were going to fend people with. I thought. I thought. This is Turkey. This is Turkey or Armenia, Turkey, mm-hmm. where, where this is. What do we have near Florida? You have Turks and Caicos. You have the key, yeah. you have the keys, right? Turkey, the keys, Florida keys, um, et cetera. But, you know, the, the Mormons have a lot of that too. So, so basically what you're saying is, so the, after the flood, they get over there and in the Middle East, do they just rename everything after everything they had established in the, in the you know americas the new world blah 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 do they take you know their pre like all these things like like the mormons are a good example like having all these name the same names of all the stuff in the middle east like did, did this stuff pre-exist in your opinion and then the flood happened and they just take the whole narrative over into the middle east like rediscovered re, you know rediscovered some of it was obscured some of it was covered up on purpose but in the case of the mormons they were rediscovering things. okay and properly renaming them. Now, for example, um, shit, what was I going to say? I forget. It's all good. Orange juice incoming. Oh, that's another thing, by the way. What orange juice do you drink? Do you just squeeze it yourself? No, I go to, um, typically I go to Whole Foods, right in, in Florida, and they have the only like farm to store unpasteurized <clears throat> brand. Okay, yeah, because that's what that's, I try to do. I, I try to get it for the the actual farmers here. Because again, what you were saying, I didn't know this about California fruit, but I'm like, man, it makes you really only want to eat Florida fruit for now. In fact, listening to you, I just want to eat oranges 24 7 like the black slave you know like the, like, like the guy that lived to be 137 <laughs> yeah. years old just picking oranges and chilling in the sunshine yep that's amazing well, well here i didn't get to say it um the fuck what i what were we just talking about with the oranges okay oranges Ken- and- kennesaw the, the brand is kennesaw okay is the best if you're in a whole foods get kennesaw kennesaw is unpasteurized fresh squeezed yeah that's the best one ingredient but yeah you're you're right about florida man the old people come here it's like the movie cocoon that's like it's like a metaphor for florida they come here just filmed in florida it was come down here and just rejuvenate drink the orange juice high vibe get in the get in the fertile crescent (laughs) it's unbelievable you know what else was filmed in florida no idea the truman show was it wasn't it one of the keys or something? Or uh, I think it's a key. I think it is Fiesta a key. It might be. I but like on, on the Tampa key. side, though, those keys, not the ones down south. Yeah, exactly. Not not the keys, but yeah. a, key, a key. Yeah. You got a crazy story about the keys. When will we get into that? Because we got to wrap it up here. But you know, I mean, you got like the keys were this whole thing. And we, we'll talk about it next time. But it's just insane. Sure. It really, it, as a Floridian, it really makes you reconsider 
like, wow, I don't, I don't just live in a swamp. I live in the garden of Eden here. I don't, I don't know if I should ever leave now. Go. Well, one of the reasons I want to leave is just like, everybody's invading. You know, it feels like, I don't know where you are and how it is, but man, it's getting crazy with the, I mean, I live right on Cocoa beach and, and right next to NASA and, you know, I'm an hour from Disney. So every other plate is from another state. And so I'm like getting to my wits end with the tourists. And uh, I mean, that's what makes Florida have no taxes, but uh, I mean, you, would you ever leave Florida? Fuck no. Stick a gun in my mouth. <laughs> you know, Tap. I've been a lot of, I've, I've been Tap a lot out. of places and I'm, I'm always coming back. So, but yeah, I feel the same way. And I, I usually don't have too much envy for other people because I kind of, now I realize I live in the garden of Eden. So, uh, and a lot of people now, when I talk about Florida, I'm like, no, just chill. You live in the garden of Eden. You don't even know it. I'm like, and I'm not even saying as a metaphor, I'm saying literally you live in the garden of Eden. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're going to have to catch up again. I wanted to, oh, just people want to know about like psychedelics and stuff. Do, do, do you uh, partake in uh, psychedelics at all? You seem like you would. So, yeah, I, um, you know, I smoke a lot of pot. That's that's all, what I figured. Yeah, that's all, that's all I do now. Um, that is really the, the nectar and the lifeblood of my research. You've uh, got some Florida uh, or some weed videos in there, too. Like what Miami weed culture or something. I think so. Yeah. But I've to answer your question, I've I've not done DMT. I don't feel the need to. Um, I took salvia, the real salvia, like the the, the leaves. Yeah, like not leaves. the extract, um, not the gas station stuff. Yeah, I smoked, <laughs> I smoked real real salvia on accident with a friend when I was mm-hmm. about fifteen. It was already rolled up in a joint that he that he found in a backpack so smoked that got got a dose of something i wasn't expecting that might have been a formative experience but i talk about i'm sure you've heard me talk about my experience with the the toads how i had a um a run-in with a a bufo toad poisonous bufo toad when i was about 15 also um i was sprayed in both my eyes with I, I, i yeah i didn't hear this story keep going I sprayed in, in both my eyes with uh, toad poison and this poison is so strong that it can kill like a hundred pound dogs. Right. And it kills all, all the dogs in South, South Florida. If your dog gets out, it's like, Oh, don't let it get a toad. It'll die. Uh-huh. But, but those toads, they're not exactly the same. They're not the desert toads. They're the cane toads, but they have the same toxin or similar toxin. And I didn't have a psychedelic experience, but I had a near-death experience. I thought I was going to die, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. I was soap, soaping my eyes out with soapy water, hoping that would reverse. I couldn't see through my eyes for, for about two weeks. Uh. What, what actually is interesting is <clears throat> it was one eye one day, and then all, in the next couple of days, I went back to do the same thing, kick kick toads with my friends and I was squirted in the other eye. <laughs> so I swear to Jesus in the same week or two weeks span of two weeks, I had been toad poisoned in both my eyes. Oh, we well, didn't learn your lesson, I guess that happens to like nobody. So it's, I'm t- yeah, yeah it like only happens. Strikes. Yeah. It only happens when the dogs bite them, but, but they are capable. They can shoot. Oh, I'm going to say, man, that's a new method. We have to try that out. But no, no, that's not the Sonoran desert toad drying, drying up their venom and smoking it. That's some crazy shit. Wow. Well, 
you're gonna go floating i, I know that's like i initially hit you up i'm like let's go floating i was like oh this guy lives in florida is you ever do this before like the the epsom salts and all that no no i haven't but if you ever want to do it let me know now that we're hanging now we're talking online well i'm you know I'm trying to make a float center video where I go to every float center in Florida and I was trying to take a guess. And that's why I wanted to bring you to at least one of them. Oh, I'm down. I'll do uh, that. Yeah. It seems like it would be up your, up your alley, but uh, yeah, man. Um, I know well, I, I said, I know I said one last thing a couple of times. Can oh no, please go ahead. One last thing. Please. So I tried to dig up some, uh, sensory deprivation tank related mm -hmm. th things for you um to talk about and here we have two carved bathtubs in a river this is not florida but it's just outside of florida mm -hmm. across the alabama border so florabama there are two perfectly carved rectangular bathtubs carved out now what are they what are they what are they carved out is it just like mud i mean rock no, what, what is it oh that's bedrock that's bedrock, okay stone. right and they do not know when this was carved in quotes they say this is older or as old as alabama itself that mm. they don't they don't know when this was carved ancient and float tank there are two tanks side by side you know like his and hers that's funny right? uh, yeah it's like a little kid with a little kids one there <laughs> Oh man, mud flood. Do you think mud flood uh, happened and we, you know, we lost history I mean, somehow? Like in course. the middle of, you know what I mean? Like it seems like. I, I think to, it, listen, to, listen. I'll, I'll I'll tell you right now. People yeah. just people just go go too all in on the mud flood thing. That's not the end all be all. That's not. I see people fucking wearing mud flood shirts and like their profiles like mud flood girl. You know, yeah. tw twenty five, and it's like gee. <laughs> Are you gonna really make your whole identity off this? Like, there's much cooler conspiracy theories that that bestow wisdom and appreciation for life. And I, I see a lot of the mud flutters getting into like this nihilistic perception of what it means to be human to live on a planet. And yeah, life is not guaranteed. Things do reset. Mm -hmm. That doesn't that doesn't mean we're on a prison planet and we're we're you know clueless. But whatever. I have a theory that Saturn used to be in a different position in the sky. Gravity used to be different on the Earth. The sky used to be a different color. And because of the gravity being different, uh, things grew differently, right? Like things were just much larger. Like honestly, ever since I started hearing your content, I started really like thinking, I think Paul Bunyan was real. You know, I don't know why. I just started thinking that out of nowhere. Like Paul Bunyan, you know, with Babe the Blue Ox chopping down the Paul? trees. Paul Bunyan. Know. Oh, you got to get into him. It's like a western united states thing you know northern i think this giant lumberjack like literally a giant and he had a blue ox named babe this is american folklore i'm pretty mm -hmm. sure maybe canadian but it's up there i think he's american though paul bunyan he's a giant that chops down trees like do you believe in these ancient uh like these animals dying or these people dying like and they're giants and they turn they turn into like hillsides and mountains and ancient treetops that have been you know like these in the desert these you know what I'm talking about. Do you think that's a reality? I mean, the devil's the devil's yeah, tower, yeah, tower the devil's is, tower exactly is an old tree. And now, as far as 
I think there's a lot of pareidolia. Is that what it's called? Pareidolia, pareidolia going right, around. Right, where you see faces and things that aren't, yeah, necessarily a face. Now, I I don't I don't blame people for you know viewing everything open mindedly and imaginatively, but I think Stellium Seven does some good stuff. I'm I get I'm behind a lot of what he does, but I think mm-hmm. you know you know some people say like, um. Okay, here's a good one. This drives me crazy. I show the anchors, and guess what people say about the anchors? Those are ancient hip joints. That's an ancient. That's an ancient, <laughs> you know, socket. That's a titan that, that fell. And yeah, I'm like, bro, you can, you know, the, there's like shells. You go up to there, it's like clumped up shell. You know, you can if if you if you go if you're not looking through your laptop, if you actually go to these places, you can see it's not that you know but whatever it's just mind-blowing you know because I, again i like to think that uh the gravity influence things and history's obscured or we've lost the history or again like i said winner winners write history so exactly if you're the opposition you ain't gonna look too good in the history books um you know so thanks again for coming on tonight and fascinating fascinating i love it so much when i find somebody like you like you think we, you know, I know this isn't a fact, but I used to think you know, like a lot of people, like we've got it all figured out. Science, the earth is a globe. There's nowhere to go. Uh, history's kind of decided. And we, you know, we got our best minds on this for hundreds of years. It's gotta be right. But no, it's just like taking psychedelics. When I find somebody like you, it's like, wow, there's uh, like finding your content was like literally for me, like taking LSD. It was a whole game changing. It was a whole new offering of a perspective that was not even approachable. Like, wait a minute, we're living in the garden of Eden, this is actually the old world, not the new world. Like it just, history is so inverted when you have these realizations that yours make more sense. Yours like line up with language and, you know, just, it's just, it works, especially somebody who has been down the traditional path. I studied a lot of European history. I thought uh, with America, I'm like, well, geez, nothing happened here prior to 1492. It's just a bunch of Indians running around eating Buffalo, you know? Yep. To, to generalize it, right? There's not much, you know, you don't think about mud floods in these buildings that have been here and the, the World's Fair and all this bullshit that the internet. And again, like I used to think like in 2016, I took a ton of acid and I floated like for so many days on end. And I thought I was like taking myself to this crazy reality where Donald Trump was president and the world was going to end and everything was just reaching its maximum like novelty levels. And it's like, like clown world. We've arrived like in clown world and still, we haven't reached peak novelty, I think. So again, I find somebody like you and it's like, wow, like, I don't know shit. Like even, even accepting the mystery I, and, and thinking like, well, I've kind of reached the wall here with psychedelics and the understanding of reality. Nope. Then a doctor Longo comes into on the big bear stream and it's just mind blowing. You blew a lot of people's minds, my friend. So keep, thank you for the honesty and, and the curiosity. It's been great having you on and, I'll, I'll get you set up with the float now that uh, your your game. For sure, man. Let's float. So yeah, Doctor Doctor Narco now Longo. Is that your real name, by the way? You betcha. I can't tell if you're being facetious or not. Yeah, it's a. It's it, a, it's, um, it's not like a pen name or a a stage it, name. No, it is a pen name. I'm yeah. Joking. Okay. Yeah, good. Well, if you didn't smile there, I would have believed you. But uh, I was looking at the screen. So, it, yeah, it was a pleasure having you on. You guys check him out. He's at, uh, what is it, Old 
world Florida on YouTube. And then on Instagram, it's the same thing with just what are those underscores between the letters mm-hmm. old underscore world underscore Florida, Florida mm-hmm. on Instagram. But yeah, the YouTube's where you want to go all the long form content, just endless. I still have like six or six, six or seven videos to watch. And I'm excited. If sex, if sex to my videos, Jesus. No, Christ. six or six or seven videos to watch. Disgusting. But, uh, I appreciate the uh, the audience tonight. By the way, the, la- the, the laughter's uh, every about five to ten minutes have been great. Oh, I, need to... I do. I forgot this was live. Jesus. Oh, did anybody say anything? Let's t- let's take a look here on YouTube. Oh, they'll be watching this tomorrow uh, with her son. So we didn't have too many comments. Don't worry. I think a total of like five people saw it. But I'm going to cut it. Uh, now, let's see here. Where'd you go? Hold on. I lost my Zoom. I'm looking at YouTube. There you are. All right, Doc. I, I appreciate it. Uh, cheers to a, a fellow Floridian. Thanks for holding it down. Because I know a lot of people when I was in high school were like, this place sucks. I'm leaving. And now yeah. they're in New York, New York and California. And they're hating life. So it's a, it's a terrible disease. Almost always a precursor to like a what? further mental illness is just hating where you're from uh no no florida's great and you make it like i said that florida pride that much deeper so as always you are in line to my friend have a great night and i'll talk to you soon thanks for